Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. So, grand rising, grand rising, grand rising. This is for the Center for Spiritual Living's theme for the year, grand rising. It's a global theme, and it's my honor and my delight and truly my joy to offer the Sunday message today. And thanks for the invitation. You know, it kind of feels a world's away, and also just like yesterday, that in 2020, uh, the world entered a pandemic. And since then, we have experienced a global awakened awareness of the profound dysfunction, oppression, exclusion, and marginalization within many of our primary institutions and high-level systems. All the isms seemed like they were revealed simultaneously. Did anybody else feel that way? Yeah. Nothing like a pandemic to unify us in a common experience from which we continue to emerge. At the root of dysfunction is a sense of separation from the interconnectedness of all of life. And what is the gravity that holds all of this life together, all of this oneness together? Indeed, what is it that holds the entire universe together? Love. Love is love. It's love. It's love. It's love. It's love. It is the highest vibration. And it is the most powerful energy. I believe these times to be a revolutionary evolution to love. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> we are at a choice point every day, and especially now. Do we choose to evolve towards the greater good that's always seeking to emerge as us? individually and collectively. Do we? This is the grand rising opportunity to step into our greatness and do the required love work through this path of discomfort that is inherent in transformative and enduring change. Because the discomfort actually opens up our capacity for creativity and unleashes 
infinite potential to be who we are called to be by that highest vibration and energy of all, which is love. love. So, you know, love. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> got to do with it, got to do with it. How can we really know and feel the love that is unity itself so that we don't fall into those dysfunctions. You know, I ask myself that same question a lot. And I asked myself that question in particular in the deep winter of 2022. I had been feeling like there was, there was like a veneer over my heart and that I was losing the inability to feel deeply. It had decreased and I really noticed it. And on Valentine's Day, I woke up to this signature Cupid blanket of snow, drew me into the forest for a walk. And I remembered an old camp song, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. So as I'm walking, I'm like, okay, I'm hearing the song saying, ask and it shall be given unto you. So, hey, I have a question for you. If it's true that love is the gift of source to itself, the gift of life to itself constantly, giving of itself, how do I feel that deeply? And boom, I was in an instant brought to that moment where everything in the known universe was contained in a tiny point and expanded through 13.8 billion years of evolution to me. And I heard these words, I am a form of love's desire born. Now that's love with a capital L. That's not Valentine's Day Hallmark Cards L that comes and goes and here one second gone the next. This is love. That is what I am. I am a form of love's desire born and this is what you are. And this is whose you are. You belong to love. You are a precious child of the universe. Forms of love's desire born. So why are we here? If that is what and who we are, then why? <clears throat> and the why is to explore and to express the cosmos as only we can as individualized stars wrapped in skin. There are no two stars the same, no two flowers, no two anything. There's also no redos and there's no mistakes. There's you to express that as you. And the how, by following your heart's desire because it's the same as the love's desire that created you, otherwise it wouldn't be in your heart. Of course, there's discernment. Is this what I want my ego? 
Or is this what I want coming from within? Is it the insistent elbow in the ribs? Hey, 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 hey. That you kind of go, ah, it's a little scary sometimes. And we also know at an intuitive level if it is our heart's desire. And so then in following that desire, we embrace divine discomfort because there's a lot of love work to do. So in the 50s and 60s, so we're going to go from us to more grand rising. There was a grand rising. John F. Kennedy, president at the time, September 12, 1962. We chose to go to the moon speech. We meet in an hour of change and challenge, in a decade of hope and fear, in an age of both knowledge and ignorance. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. Sound like now? We shall send to the moon, 240,000 miles away, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body and return it safely to Earth. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one we are willing to accept. We choose to go to the moon. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. October 28, 1963, one year later, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal. And when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men and white women and black women, <laughs> Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I have a dream, freedom. So both of these visions, these dreams, these passions, the moon, equality, freedom, are exemplified in the true story that's portrayed in the movie Hidden Figures. You're all going to go home and watch that tonight. And it's the story of a grand rising through discomfort to further that love work of equality and pave the way to the moon, literally. And figuratively, of course, hidden figures. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> anyway, the movie uh, highlights the actual lives of three incredibly brilliant female African-American mathematicians working in NASA in Hampton, Virginia during the 60s. Actually, they started in the 50s. Movie's a bit time compressed, so keep that in mind. Um, they were working to in the race with Russia, who we embraced in love in our song today, this morning, and everyone else. It was the race to propel humans into space. So 
everyone working on this had a common vision. An evolution into space, a deeper understanding of the cosmos and our place in it, and future possibilities. And these women represent the pain of exclusion and oppression and overcoming it by rising through deep discomfort. So let me set the stage for you. This was a time when segregation was still the norm for the most part. Black people had to sit in the back of the bus. They drank from separate water fountains. Many schools, especially in southern states, were still segregated. At NASA, women worked in a segregated office. And their work was considered women's work. In other words, it was valued less. And even if they were doing the exactly the same thing as an engineer, they weren't called engineers. And they'd be paid less and given a lower job title. Now, these women were not doing something that no African-American woman had done before, but something that no one of any gender, of any race, had ever done. They were on the pioneering edge of science and technology, all without calculators. Does anybody even count your change to you at the grocery store anymore? <laughs> they were actually called the people, the women, were called computers. And this was a time when a computer was a job title rather than something on your desk. Imagine that. And there's more computing power in your toaster than what they had to send people into space. They were creating calculations, mathematical calculations, to make something happen that had never happened in the history of humanity. And yet, they were still expected to go to the colored bathroom. Sometimes a half a mile away, in high heels and skirts. So this is how the women at NASA experienced segregation in their everyday lives. And they faced humiliation at every single turn. So I'm just going to highlight three of the <clears throat> main real life character stories uh, and then get to how they actually fulfilled their heart's desires. So Katherine Johnson, who's really the star of the show, she applied her skills and incredible intelligence to rise within the ranks of NASA's Langley Research Center, where she stepped into a room of white males in white shirts and black ties as the first black woman to work in the space task force. She was first assumed to be janitorial service. But she refused to walk to a different campus to use the colored women's bathrooms and ignored when somebody complained about it. She insisted on attending Pentagon briefings so she could understand the current data to calculate reentry coordinates and everything else that has to be done. And she did both. And by his request, Catherine double-checked by hand the numbers of the IBM calculations for astronaut John Glenn's Atlas VI mission to space, where he orbited the Earth three times and successfully returned. She went on to work on the Apollo 11's landing on the moon and subsequent moon and space shuttles. At 97, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Right? This was the 
This is the highest civilian honor in the United States, and she was given that by then-President Barack Obama. Wow. Now we have Mary Jackson, who worked as a human computer. But her passion was engineering. Her moon was engineering. She wanted to get to the moon through engineering. And even her husband, who was active in the civil rights movement, at least as the movie portrayed it, discouraged her by saying a black woman would never be able to be an engineer. But she says, you know, there's more than one way to achieve that. Like, stand aside. NASA told her she didn't have the right educational requirements. And they required extension courses through the University of Virginia, which was too far away. Instead, she petitioned the city to go to those classes at Hampton High School, which was a whites-only school. And she got in. Now, she believed in firsts. As Reverend Gale said this month, with an awareness of the past, awareness of the past in her rearview mirror, and a choice to look forward through the windshield. She became NASA's and the United States' first female African-American aeronautical engineer. In 1979, she was appointed Langley's first women's program manager, where she fought to advance women of all colors. And then Dorothy Vaughn, she led a team of human computers at Langley and opened doors for both Catherine and Mary to pursue their visions, even as she struggled for advancement, saying in the film, any upward movement for any one of us is upward movement for us all. When she learned that that new IBM computer, this was really when IBM was the new computer, and uh, NASA purchased one. When she learned that that was going to be putting her and her team out of work, she taught herself Fortran, which is computer programming language. She taught herself. And then she taught her team. And she was the one that got the first NASA IBM computer to actually work <laughs> and calculate properly and became NASA's first African-American supervisor. So you think you're uncomfortable sometimes? <laughs> you think you have discomfort? And yet this discomfort transformed them and those around them. In fact, their willingness to be who they were and to live their passion and to stand in their power brought up a lot of discomfort for higher authorities and for colleagues who felt threatened and over time, they became aware of this, some of them, and chose to change their thinking and their beliefs about them. They were transformed into allies and supporters and even admirers. Now, this is the power of our awareness of discomfort, our willingness to step into the comfort and stepping out of our comfort zones this is the love work. So what did all of them have in common? And how did they do it? They had a love for what they did. They were passionate about what they knew they were called to do. They believed in themselves 
And they surrounded themselves with people who also believed in them. Stomach, sorry. That's loud. It's saying, yeah. <laughs> they experienced extreme discomfort. And regardless, they stepped out of their comfort zones continuously. They questioned the way it is to those in authority. Well, why? Why can't I go in that room? Well, no, no woman ever has before. So? You're the boss. Act like one. She actually says that in the movie. It's like, woo! And then she, she does this thing where she pushes her glass up. It's like, oh, did I say that? <laughs> but there she is. And that's where she was handed the piece of chalk by her supervisor, which was the director of the defense department, the, that one. And she walked up to that board and figured out the calculation for landing at the exact time in the exact place through all the conditions just as she had been granted that opportunity by someone as a child. So don't underestimate the power you have of being you in the world and supporting others. So this is the power of doing our love work and questioning the way it is. Put that in the rearview mirror, open up the windshield. They were part of a faith community. They were also allies to each other. They were friends. They were deep friends. And they unlocked their full potential through, and I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm looking at the clock, and I'm going to invite you that what they did applies to all of us. How do we do all of this? How do we live our deep love? How do we live our calling? How do we live our passion? How do we live into our desire and be willing to be transformed through discomfort? We can learn these lessons for ourselves. They unlocked their full potential through persistence. They were persistent. And they also knew when to be patient, right? There's a balance there. But they were persistent. They were resilient. And the, the beautiful thing about resilience is it is like a muscle that you continue to build once you continuously, you increase standing up for yourself, you increase speaking your truth, you increase being your authentic you, that creates resilience. They took action. They didn't wish I could be an engineer. They figured out, how do I get there? You say no to this. OK, how do I get there? How do I get there? They were courageous. They were courageous. They were fiercely courageous. And they stood in their power driven by that love of what they knew was within them for their own evolution, which contributed to the evolution of humankind. They had a force that no matter what, they stood in their power. This doesn't mean they didn't have their dark nights or that they sought light, that they needed inspiration, that they needed allies, of course, of course. And still they stood in their power. And they had a lot of faith. And we've talked about faith here. I, you know, trust might be a more applicable word for a lot of people. But it's not a floppy faith of wishing or hoping. Ernest Holmes wrote that faith is a mental attitude 
that is so convinced of its own idea, so completely accepts it that any contradiction is unthinkable and impossible. This is what I'm talking about. And this is what they had. And towards the end of the movie, right after John Glenn's capsule landed in the ocean, whoo, imagine that. Imagine that. And being part of that, when that happens, uh, Catherine's supervisor, director of the Space Task Force, asked her, do you think we can get to the moon? And she said, sir, we are already there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about. So Black History Month, which is also February, is the perfect time to celebrate and to be so grateful for this powerful trio, for all of the women who they worked with. There were many, many more. They're just like the three that rose to the, the top in this story. For all who paved the way for them and all whose love work we stand upon today. Just think how far we've come. From a room-sized IBM to personal computers to smartphones. Moon landings and safe returns. Probes have explored the solar system. Imagine all the rockets we send into space. We. <laughs> we can launch rockets of desire. We launch rockets of desire. But we have sent up, I said it again, because it is a collective, right? Yeah. Hubble, James Webb telescopes, the International Space Station, those are all transported on rockets and then catapulted. And they figure all that out too. Just this past Friday, a private business put the US on the moon's surface for the first time since Apollo 11's moonwalk as part of a NASA-supported program to kickstart the lunar economy. And the list goes on. So what's your moon? What's your moon? What's your heart set on? What's your passion? What's your evolutionary step? to your greater and contributes to your present and the future in ways you cannot even imagine, but you know it happens. I'm just telling you stories about what's already happened. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the potential in every single one of us. And are you willing to step out of your discomfort which is temporary, remember. Are you willing to step out of that to do the love work? Are you willing? Are you willing? Yes, okay. All right. Anchor in your community. Anchor in your meditation practice to silence the mind and all the voices saying, yeah, but when is that? Then that silence all is revealed. Use the power of your spiritual mind practice, affirmations, learn from inspiring people on a spiritual journey to whatever nourishes you in that way, but have your first contact, huh? 
be contact with that within you. So you're willing. And that is great. Because as a form of love's desire born, doing love's work, you will contribute to the ground rising. As we lift each other to greater and greater good than we had imagined and yet is possible within the cosmic womb in which we live. So would you please say after me? You ready? Yes. Yes. We rise like the moon. We rise like the moon. To our greatness. To our greatness. Guided by infinite wisdom. Grounded in faith. Propelled by courage. Knowing we are all supported. By the brightest. And most supportive. Celestial orb. Celestial orb of all. Of all. Love. 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 Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.